Okay, so I think a really fun example of Twitter. No, I'm starting. <laughs> this is my first day talking as a human. <laughs> uh, talking's hard. <laughs> We actually met at Social Fresh last year. From Social Fresh Conference, you're listening to The Social Toolkit, a behind-the-scenes look at today's top social tools and the experts who use them. Delete your AOL email. You've got mail. Log out of MySpace. Close down Internet Explorer. It's time to get serious about today's digital arsenal. Welcome to the Social Toolkit Podcast produced by Social Fresh Conference. I'm Jason Keith, founder and CEO of Social Fresh, and this episode of the Social Toolkit is sponsored by Social Fresh 2019. We're back in Orlando for our 22nd conference. I cannot believe we've done this many. It's it's gone so fast. I want you to pick up your ticket. I would love to see you there. Head over to socialfreshconference.com for more info. Today's guest is coming to us from Raleigh, North Carolina, previously from Baltimore, Maryland, and there's a move happening there, which is really fun. Tina Starkey is the Chief Marketing Officer of Stop Soldier Suicide. I'm very excited to talk to Tina today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Good to be here today with you. Yeah, I'm excited that, so you're, you're, you just moved into this role, Chief Marketing Officer, very congratulations. Um, Thank you. Great organization, Stop Soldier Suicide. Uh, Tina was a speaker for us at the last Social Fresh Conference in 2018, and she'll be at this year's conference as well. Um, but last year, she was working for American Cancer Society um, and had a great session on, uh, well, well, we'll jump into some topics on that. But tell us about the new gig and, then, and Stop Soldier Suicide. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be working for this organization. Um, I I had the fortune of meeting the founders of this company when I was at Facebook January of this year, and they were, you know, giving me all these insights into the fact that our veterans have a 50% higher rate of suicide than the national population. And I I just stopped in my tracks. I was like, wait, what did you just say? Like, I know mental health is a problem, but 50% higher. Um, and so uh, the organization is two um, army, three army veterans actually that uh, founded this after they came back from their tours, you know, post 9-11 guys that are, you know, our age and um, came back from their tours and only lost one or two people um, in, you know, the battle zone. And then they get home and their, you know, brothers in arms are just killing themselves. It was devastating to hear. And I felt like there was something that I could do to help lend my services to this organization. So what I've learned since then is that we are, um, you know, the leader in this space. Stop Soldier Suicide is helping people every day um, that are at this sort of crossroads in their life where they're not sure what to do and they're headed down the wrong path. And so we help people um, who are veterans of any service uh, branch. So it's not just soldiers, which is an army term. It's any service branch, any, um, you know, time frame. So we help, you know, Vietnam veterans, post 9-11 veterans, anybody and everybody in between um, really get back on their feet. We hold them um, along the way and get them back to the, to the place where they feel like life is worth living. I love it. I love it. We've worked with um, both Wounded Warrior and uh, Higher Heroes in the past, but oh, yeah. I, think, I think that this is a very acute and important uh, you know, uh, way to help and you know, prevent kind of this loss. I, I think it's a great organization. I'm glad they have your talented skills, and I'm also glad you're now in the great state of North Carolina. That's pretty exciting as well. 
I know. I'm so excited to move south a little bit. The weather is beautiful here and the um, the people are pretty nice too. Yes. Yeah. And Raleigh's <laughs> got uh, some amazing things happening, uh, which is, uh, it's really exciting. There's a lot of really smart people there. So I'm excited for you to do some hiring. <laughs> yeah. I definitely am sourcing talent right now. So um, I can't wait to find the really smart people that are sitting yeah. in this market. If you're in Raleigh and you, you want to work for a great organization, let us know, reach out to Tina and, and we'll see, we'll see if there's a connection to be made there. I do, I do want to learn about your new setup. So, I mean, I, I imagine it's a smaller organization for you, maybe a little more nimble. And I know you're building a team a little bit, but do you have like an existing team? What does that look like? Yep. Um, I have a team of two, <laughs> a total of two marketing and development department right now. So we, yeah, I went from, uh, you know, an employer with thousands of employees across the country to, um, you know, this still, we're, we're a national organization. We have a Facebook community of uh, nearly half a million followers, but we're run by a team of 20. So um, we definitely expect to scale up over the next few years. And I'm building out the marketing and development capabilities as it relates to that. But I have two amazing staff um, that have been with the organization for one year and two years, respectively, that are, you know, have been, have been keeping the boat afloat. Um, and so I'm jumping in to make sure that we are not operating so much as a small um, startup nonprofit that was getting, you know, getting their sea legs, but really as an operation that can scale to help save more and more lives um, and to find the people. So one of the biggest things that I'm so excited about is the focus that I have at working at a small organization is, yeah. you know, we know exactly who we need to find. I have, you know, customer profiles for exactly who, um, you know, we think are the, our most high risk clients and, um, you know, demographics and psychographics about them. So as a marketer, I'm like, yes, let me go find you some people. Um, yeah. so focus, focus, focus is the biggest change. Not that, um, we weren't focused at the American Cancer Society, but there's just so many people to serve and there's so many priorities. Um, so, and, and it was like moving the Titanic. It's a hundred year old organization, right? You have to yeah. move it little ticks at a time. So we're super nimble. Um, I tell my, my boss, our CEO that every day, like I'm still learning that I can move more quickly and make some decisions, which is really refreshing. Yeah. You're like, wait, there's not seven levels of... Right. Exactly. I don't have to get 17 people to approve this. Yeah. Like that would, that would be every staff person in our organization. No. <laughs> well, and I love the, I love the term clients. Uh, so clients are the, are the, you know, people that are the soldiers uh, yep. that are at risk that you're trying to, you're actually trying to go out and find them and let them know that there's this organization to help. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we're certainly trying to raise money to fund the work that we do, but also a big part of my job is to find, yeah, we call them clients. So because we're, we have a team of social workers that are um, really taking that person from their moment of crisis all, all the way through um, to this place where they're feeling like, like I said, life is worth living, but they have the tools in their toolbox to do that on their own. And so that could be up to two years it could be longer if we need to. And yeah. we are holding their hand every step of the way. So they become not just a client, but a friend to our social workers. Um, and it really is a, a way for us to use marketing for the beauty of the power that it can have to go find people that need our help. I love that. That's uh, such a great purpose. Yeah. So obviously that is your success is getting these people and giving them resources and kind of hopefully saving lives. Um, what, how are, how are you, as you're jumping into this new uh, marketing team, how are you initially 
measuring success? How is the organization measuring success of kind of the, the changes that you're going to be making? One of the things that's most important to me is not jumping the gun on you really level setting to figure out, to get the lay of the land and figure out what we need to do. So I'm in the process of evaluating everything, every staff person, every agency that we work with, every, you know, media dollar that we spend, is this working and by where? And so what I found is that there were a lot of, um, you know, to no one's fault, uh, but, but, you know, when you know, I was listening to an Oprah podcast this morning and she said, when you know better, you do better. Um, and it's in my head right now. So like, when you know better, you do better, like have the marketing leadership in place to say like, yeah, that's a vanity metric. really mean anything. Um, so here I am coming in and saying, okay, what are the processes, the people and the technology? Those are my sort of three focuses here at the beginning where the processes, the people and the technology that we need at our fingertips to do this job well, not at the level that we're doing today, but at the level that we expect to be 18 months from now. And how do we scale to that? So, you know, the, the process that I'm taking is to not, I don't even have those defined yet, Jason, right? Like yeah, specific yeah. marketing KPIs. It's to do all of that groundwork to lay the foundation and then develop a marketing dashboard that's rooted in what we're trying to achieve organizationally. And that's going to be, you know, finding these high risk clients, even, even that, how do we define a high risk client, right? I'm working with our program officer on that. How do we define a high risk client and making sure we find them at scale? And then secondly, how do we support the mission with revenue? We need yeah. dollars in the door to support that. So I have so, try to have those major two paths. How do we find the people and how do we fund the mission? Yeah. Well, um, so I, that will be the dashboard that I build out that will ultimately have very specific KPIs to those exact two things. I love that. You're, you're kind of in the research mode. Um, yes. And diving into what's going to be important to measure. Uh, and because you're in a small organization, you're, you're actually creating organizational change. You're not just dealing with marketing metrics. You're dealing with... Uh, the full success metrics of the whole team. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like those are the conversations that have been spending a lot of time on, because you know culture is a really important part of the success of a business. And so making sure that we're, um, you know, I've had so many conversations where like, let me just walk you through my mindset on this, through my, you know, thinking on this, just to to help people along the way. Because I don't, like I said, want to come in and make these like snap decisions and say my way or the highway. That's not what this is about. This is about educating um, people around the table who are really freaking smart, intelligent, but aren't marketers. They can understand this stuff to say, here's why we need to do this and why. Here's the steps that we're going to start to take to get there. I like it. I like it. I love that. Well, I think, you know, one of the things I learned, we, we had a great response from your session last year at Social Fresh. Oh, great. And I think it, and I think it simply came down to you gave people freedom um, for, for those that weren't there. Um, uh, we talked about, or Tina talked about quality over quantity quite a bit and how some of the changes they made in American Cancer Society were deciding to focus on fewer pieces of content and getting this piece of content right and making a bigger impact. And I think giving people that freedom was really important. So I suspect that's where your, uh, you know, some of your actual content marketing steps will, will go for stop soldier suicide, but talk about just that, um, you know, that concept and how that's become kind of a, a cornerstone of how you think about content and social marketing. Yeah, that's my mantra, um, is quality over quantity. And so what, we have seen in the macro level is that, you know, organic engagement goes down, everybody's sort of complaining about it. But if you think about it, what, what Zuck and, you know, the big social media um, 
platforms are trying to tell us is like, actually make good content for these people, like actually make it good. And so if I'm going to take the effort to actually make it good, I'm going to, you know, follow these best practices. I'm going to tell real stories. I'm going to do all these things to make it dynamic. That's going to take a lot more time and effort. So I need to do less quantity of those. But you know what, when I do, it's going to be good. It's going to matter to the audience. So one of the things that I said when I gave this talk recently was like posting because it's Tuesday is not a good reason to post. Like we don't need to just fill days in the calendar. Like it's today's Monday. What are we going to say? Well, nothing if we don't have something to say. And if you think about how we as consumers consume content in the feed, you know, we go there and we engage with it because it's interesting, because it's something we didn't realize was happening, because it's funny, because we're really excited to see that whatever, my cousin went to the zoo with her kids. It, it doesn't even, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's a day on the calendar that needs to be filled. And we as brand marketers have this like hamster wheel of content creation that's exhausting and we're filling it just because it's Tuesday. Yeah. Not necessary. You know, Let's get so how do we get more strategic? Like, what type yeah. of content does that get rid of? And what type of content does that narrow your focus to? Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things that I really spent a lot of time on was getting rid of all the stock. Like we're not telling when, it, when you're using stock photography or stock video to talk about something related to your brand the visualization of that really actually has nothing to do with your brand. So why would a consumer care? They don't care. So I had this concerted effort. This It took a, a while to get us to stop moving away from, or to move away from stock photography. I'm doing it here at Stop Soldier Suicide as well. And, you know, to the point of, we have lots and lots of photos of people that are in the military, but they're not necessarily a client that we've helped. They're not someone who we know and we can tell their story. We're just showing a generic military photo and saying, you know, we can help you. Um, why did that doesn't matter? So the goal is to then go digging, find, get out into the, um, into these channels and find good content that people are posting themselves, right? Their stories that they're telling. So that's UGC that we can curate or spend the time internally to tell real stories of people that we've helped. When you put those that. things together, it takes a lot more time and effort. So that's why we get pulled back on the quantity that we're publishing. But think about how much more meaningful that is to tell a real story than a stock photograph. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, one of my favorite examples of UGC content out there is Disney World, their Instagram accounts for their parks are 100% photos mm -hmm. of people in the parks, which is, you know, obviously we don't all have a theme park where people are having a great time taking photos. But I think everybody can dig into, even if it's not stock photography, you can, you know, you can do a podcast and you can feature, uh, you know, customer or client or, um, you know, stories of people that matter to the people that you're trying to connect with. And when you find, you know, even, even for the Disney world example, each of those photos is a story somehow, yeah. right? You can, you don't have to dive deeper into all of them, but you can dive deeper into all of them. So I think that's a really yeah. great kind of first thing to think about for folks, even if you're not using stock photography, what are you doing that maybe is not serving to dig into one of those stories that kind of makes a deeper connection? That's right. I love that. Okay. So I know one of the tools that you used um, in American Cancer Society was TAC. Uh, T-A-C-K um, is a great UGC tool. Uh, one of our uh, mutual friends, Tyler Anderson, um, uh, has built a great tool with some partners there. Talk about how that helped you guys do some, uh, some of your UGC content in American Cancer Society. Yeah. Shout out to Tyler. He and I met and he was telling me like, Hey, PS, I can make that easier for you. <laughs> and I was like, tell me more. <laughs> and um, so he and his business partner, Bill, 
um, created this software called TAC. It's really helps a, a brand marketer sort through, sift through the thousands of mentions that the American Cancer Society got, the thousands of hashtag um, tags that we got to find that user-generated content that we can actually use. And so if I think about the time and effort that I, one of my staff was spending or multiple of my staff or my staff plus my agency support spending just searching a hashtag on Instagram to see if we could find any good content out there and then using a tool to do that instead, what TAC did for us was actually simplified that, um, that curation process, made it so that yeah. we can just search um, people can tag us. They can give us permission within the tool. They can We can have our terms of service in there so that people understand what they're giving us permission to do. And we can, you know, so one, that protects us legally and without having to do that manually. And then two, we can tag the content itself. So we make it much more discoverable. So I could, t so, you know, in your Disney example, we could tag um, different pieces of content with like girl, boy, grandparent, um, Magic Kingdom, Epcot. Yeah. And then when you were looking to post on the Epcot feed, a picture of grandparents that are there with their kids, you can just go search those hashtags and go back to the UGC that you, someone gave you permission to use four months ago and just pull that back out and say, sweet, this is what we're going to post this week. Um, well so it's so, it was a lifesaver, um, really affordable. Shout out to, to Tyler on all of that, because I think especially as brand marketers, when you start to get the scale on your brand, which is a great problem to have, it also just becomes a burden um, on the other side to go through all of that. Well, yeah, and you said you were, you were getting, I mean, American Cancer Society is a massive uh, organization, touches a lot of people. You said you were getting so much content on the hashtag that you just couldn't go through it all. Mm -hmm. So this, yeah. was, this was a needed technology solution that really allowed you to start looking more at the quality out there in that, in that kind of field of mess of things. Yeah. Exactly. And actually, even as I've been following the American Cancer Study since I've left there, I'm so proud to see that they're still moving forward with that. Like they're, if you go follow their Instagram, it's all UGC and it's really amazing stories that. of people That's that have great. been through cancer journeys. I love the software, but it was really me sourcing it so that my staff could use it. Ultimately, when I said, hey guys, is this helping you? They were like, oh God, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Cool. Very cool. Uh, one of the things that I know you've used... Uh, and had success with is short term, short term. We actually said this before the show. Was <laughs> uh, you for tried. some reason, I'm calling it short term video content, but I, <laughs> we're talking about short form video content. And you had a great yeah. conversation uh, with Facebook at an event you went to about uh, why they're pushing that and, and, and some of the things that they're trying to get more of their advertisers and more brands on Facebook to, to look yeah. at. Yeah. So um, I had the opportunity to go to Facebook. Um, offices, Facebook, Instagram offices in New York City and spend some time with um, the Facebook team that leads content and creative and also um, some design agencies. And what the program was, was an incubator that these creative agencies sort of upskilled in Facebook mobile marketing. And so they went through a full day where they learned exactly, you know, how to make content work on Facebook in the mobile feed. And what they did on day two was then paired those creative agencies with nonprofits. So Stop Soldier Suicide was one of 10 nonprofits that got to participate in this. And those creative agencies then were paired with us for a day to create pieces of content that we could use that were opt completely optimized for mobile that were accomplishing two things for us. One was brand awareness and one was direct response, getting people to donate. So it was a fascinating day. I felt very fortunate to be there. The creative that we had that came out of it turned out really good. I was really happy with it. But ultimately, the learning experience for those designers and for me, it just solidified what we know, which is that people can consume 
our brains as humans can consume content faster than we ever can even have ever imagined faster than ever before faster than we can probably fathom. They showed us a couple different videos that were really, um, impactful. One of which I've, I showed in a presentation I did recently, but it just shows how fast your brain can really get the gist and actually even read words at like 500 words per minute on the screen. So when we try to tell these stories and especially in the nonprofit space, we actually have like, I always would joke because, uh, the American cancer Society is in Atlanta and you know, the big, big, uh, CPG brand in Atlanta is Coke, Coca-Cola. Yeah. And like, so when you're selling soda or beverages of any sort, you have to come up with a story, right? Well, we at the American Cancer Society, we have stories. We have helped people. We have people that have gone through cancer. Here at Stop Soldier Suicide, we have helped people come from the worst part of their life to feeling at the, a completely different place. So stories we do not lack, right? <laughs> but then what we want to do as brand marketers is tell that story in a 30 second spot, a, a minute long spot, a two and a half minute long video because the story is so deep and it's so rich. And the point is we as consumers can still get that whole story in 15 seconds. Yeah. And it's hard. It's scary. It's hard. Like as a marketer, you're like, but I need to tell this part and that part. Well, we can do it faster. We can do it um, in 15 seconds or less than 30 seconds, even these six second buffers that we have now. Yeah. You just have to get creative about it. And so really pushing my agencies to, um, and even our, our staff internally to like not settle for the 45 minute cut. I mean, excuse me, 45 second cut because nobody's going to watch it everybody's thumb is scrolling faster than we can imagine. Facebook, you know, counts a view at less than three seconds. Um, we, ha- we can do this and we need to not be afraid. So when you, when you talk about my, my talk at um, Social Fresh last year, sort of giving people permission, I, this may be m- my new mantra is giving people permission to make their videos shorter, right? I like that. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. We can do it. We don't, we don't have to be afraid that we're going to lose the meaning and the impact. Um, our brains can handle it. So yeah, we so we're talking try. like six second, fifteen second ads, um, videos in the feed. Are what's the what's your perspective on captions and how important captions are for that format? Um, they're the utmost importance. But here's what I feel about it: captioning alone is kind of boring. Yeah. What can we do to make the um, typography over yes. the video actually tell a story? So I can do, let's say I have a 15 second interview and I say, hi, I'm Tina Starkey. I'm a chief marketing officer, stop soldier suicide. We believe in X, Y, Z. I can put those captions across the bottom of my, of, of the screen and still nobody's going to stop to pay attention to that. But if instead I say, you know, one organization is doing something that no other organization has been able to do. We are saving lives from suicide. Whatever that is over the story, it's still Tina telling, telling the story of how I you know, moved to this organization, but your storytelling using words over the, the video, it's so much more meaningful. That's going to get people to stop when they're in their feed. Now, they're not going to turn the volume on still. That's okay. Um, but it is going to get them to read it and really capture the full story rather than just the words that are coming out of the person's mouth. Yeah. Well, it, for me... It seems like I ha- we had a great conversation with uh, Brian Fonzo last week on the show about mm-hmm. captions. And I talked about how, <clears throat> you know, Apple and Samsung and Verizon, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, tech brands are using these 
dead center, like one, two word captions. I think Lyft is another one and Uber as well are doing really great captions on their videos where it's, you know, very quick, you know, that speed reading pace yep. that you were speaking of. Um, and it's, they're also getting designed more heavily than they used to be, yep. um, which I think is very important. And I, I do find myself ignoring captions, like just a s- simple standard um, closed captioning at the bottom of a, of a video, even if it's, you know, a square video, whatever the format, I find mm-hmm. myself ignoring that more and more. I think captions over top of content in the middle of the screen is more important. And one way I think people think about captioning, which I think is probably becoming outdated is they're putting captions on, on content in order for the user to turn on the audio, mm. um, trying to kind of draw them in and Hey, mm-hmm. we want you to listen to this. And there, and there may be a place for that, but I think what you're describing is probably more the standard, especially for shorter form uh, because you know, you're really just trying to get a quick message out and, you know, making a quick connection. You're not necessarily trying to draw them into a longer, uh, longer experience where they have to turn audio on. Um, But audio is still important in some, you know, having good audio is still important in some formats, but I think that mindset of trying to get the person to turn on the audio, I've, you know, that, that was a trend and I'm still seeing that um, in some places, even with visual cues to turn on the audio, it just feels like a less successful mindset than let's make the captions and the whole messaging and all the visuals really engaging uh, seems to be the more kind of status quo that we've hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And it's like, when you think about it, what we're trying to do is change the user's native behavior. That's not the way, that's not the way this game works, right? The user is in charge of that. So the user's native behavior is not to turn on the volume. So instead of saying, Hey user, come turn on the volume because we want you to, we're saying, Hey user, we're going to give this to you the way you want to get it, which is you're going to understand this completely without having to change your, the the action that you would normally inherently take in this platform. Um, And that's it. That's the, that's the reason, right? It's like, one of the things I keep talking about as it relates to all of this is like, it's not that we're ask, being asked to play a game and we have to find all these ways to hack it. It's that we, the game actually works if you just play by the rules <laughs> that are in, in the game. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's pretty simple. Um, I, as a user, don't want you to tell me what to do. I want you to give me what I need. And that's this, this era that we live in and this you know, expectation that we as consumers have. But if brands just get there with them, you're going to take leaps and bounds jumps ahead of your peers in the industry that are still trying to fight to to hack the system. I love it. I love it. It's really great. I can't wait to see some of the content you guys create uh, at, at, at Stop Soldier Suicide. And now a word from our sponsor. People don't realize what it feels like to be on the front lines of a brand unless you've done it. And someone starts freaking out on Twitter and it turns into this viral disaster you know, your social media team is expected to be on 24-7 and it's just not possible. You know, you need to broaden the team or create better expectations. So, you know, selling in social, it has evolved, but the tenants are still the same and it's still so important. I think this isn't like such an untapped conversation that it's not a sexy thing. Like, you know, creativity is sexy and we love to talk about creativity. Um, but I think this conversation needs to be like equally weighted. Social media is, uh, undervalued at a lot of companies. It's over depended upon by major departments. You get a lot of requests. You have to work a lot of hours, work late at night, work over on the weekends. It's understaffed, under budgeted. So it's a high stress position. So this panel is about not only getting more 
more in your budget, more support from your uh, C-level suite, from your higher-ups, from your managers, not only getting a bigger team, but also just sanity in the workplace. I'm really excited for the panel and the conversation and also continuing my tradition of all women on the panel together having this conversation and having an industry conversation that's not about women in the industry. It's about the topic. I love it. Hashtag feminist. (laughs) The panel is Selling Social In, Building Bigger Teams, Budgets, and Support, featuring Peloton, Floor and Decor, and a great nonprofit, Stop Soldier Suicide. Catch this session live and many others at Social Fresh 2019 in Orlando this November 13th through 15th. Find out more at socialfreshconference.com. So, I mean, one of the things that you are focused on, I'm sure is very important in the organization, is fundraising, finding new donors, uh, getting existing mm-hmm. donors to return. And that in and of itself is a pretty big challenge for nonprofits using social media to increase fundraising for nonprofits. Um, that's something you've, you've worked on at a couple organizations now. Talk me through like what that looks like, especially on Facebook and Instagram. What is that kind of process, that challenge? Um, and it seems like the technology there is also changing constantly, both from the platforms and other you know, tech, technology solutions that are out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, when I came to Stop Soldier Suicide, I was so impressed by the percentage of of revenue that we raise directly from Facebook. It's a, it's actually a good majority of our digital revenue. And, um, what's, yeah, what's amazing about that is it's because it's one, it's happening very organically. We hadn't done a whole lot to be promoting people to do that, to start Facebook fundraisers for really the birthday fundraising trend that happened. It started at the end of 2017 and really took off completely in 2018 for Facebook was just tapping into, again, a, a user behavior that was very natural and authentic for the people in, this, in, um, in the tool. So it's my birthday. It's coming up. There's lots of people that are going to come in and tell me happy birthday. Well, do something instead. Go, give a little bit of money to a cause that I care about. And so Facebook saw that. They were watching it happen. They um, you know, put a whole bunch of resources around it. And it took off not just for um, you know, one nonprofit, two nonprofits. They're making billions of dollars for nonprofits now on their tool. Yeah. And so what then it becomes is like competition in the space. So how do I get Jason, you to choose stop soldier suicide for your birthday and not the ASPCA or American Cancer Society or some other cause that you care about. Um, and so as we're digging into, you know, how we actually differentiate ourselves there, um, it, it's to your point, the tools are changing to support it. The, external tools that are um, integrating with these platforms are changing to support it. So we actually work with um, a company called Good United. Um, Full disclosure, their founder is also the founder of this organization. But what they do is they provide um, fundraising support in Messenger to people that have started a fundraiser on your page. And so it's amazing because what um, it does is takes that person from someone who just is like, sure, I'll do a fundraiser for you and actually starts to help us at scale create relationships with those folks and bring them in. Um, so it just happens to be, you know, their birthday. They're like, huh, this organization looks good. Click start my fundraiser. But now we start to bring them through and have them become brand advocates for us, have them really understand what we do, have support for them in the, um, in their peer to peer fundraising during that two week birthday timeframe. 
and then ask them for their email address. They can come be a part of an organization moving forward. Um, so there's ways in which you can take some of these basic um, tools that Facebook has and really start to put development and fundraising yeah. best practices against it and then drive revenue for the organization. So this is huge. It was a huge announcement beginning of this year when they decided to come out with the donation button on Instagram stories. Right now, the trend that we're watching is that's really not taken off. It's like where Facebook fundraisers was in 2017, but I think it will. I think the difference that will happen in Instagram is that it's a story button right? Yeah. It's a story sticker. So it's happening in that ephemeral place where the content is showing up, you're watching it in split second and it's going away. So how do we get people to make that split second decision to donate? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. I have, I have lots of thoughts. Um, oh, please. <laughs> the, well, I agree with the, the story button thing. Um, you know, stories in general, typically the engagement is not public, right? Right. But uh, I, I feel like, you know, the engagement in the feed is still bigger than in stories and also easier to see and easier to spread. Um, I think that's going to be a constant kind of tension on Instagram, not necessarily a bad mm -hmm. tension, but one that they need to pay more attention to than I think they are. Because right now, occasionally they have tools that allow you to share a feed post to a story or share a story uh, in your feed or like they're they're trying to bridge that gap a little bit, but like when I saw the donation uh, button that came out, I was you know excited that they were testing that and I hope they improve it. But it was very obvious to me that if there was a donation button in a story, it should tie back to a feed post and there should be like a home in the feed. And you don't have, maybe it's an option that you don't have to do it. But you know, on Facebook, it's had such a big impact to have something that, oh, I see seven of my friends have already donated to this. Like that's, that's where some of that power comes from, I think. Yep. Where, Absolutely. Um, your pressure and just a community feeling and et cetera. I, I feel like that's completely missing from the story donation option. And it has to have some type of permanent tie back post in the feed mm -hmm. to really um, tie that together. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, Facebook's doing a great job with these things and I'm glad they're mm -hmm. experimenting, but that just seems, and that's something that I've seen reflected in Instagram overall, where there just needs to be a better integration and there needs to be more tools that allow us to use stories uh, longer and stories that stick around longer and stories that can be reused and linked back to and, and shared. Yep. Um, and that just seems to be a big gap that I repeatedly see over and over. It's um, interesting. You're so insightful to to notice that because it's one of the very first things. So because we knew, you know, before Instagram launched it, once they announced it, we were sort of in that um, time frame, the three months in between announcement and launch, where we were talking to our reps at Facebook and saying, like, okay, but what's it going to look like, and what's it going to do, and how's it going to operate, and what reporting do we have on it, and all this stuff. And those exact things that you said were the questions that we were asking. And it's interesting to hear. At least what I heard um, from a couple of people at Facebook, the responses on that is that they don't want this to just be a copy and paste of Facebook. People come to Instagram for something different. Their behavior on there is different. And so they're trying to make it a different experience, but it'll be interesting to see how it evolves because yeah. to your point, the, the success of fundraising, and this is not new, right? Facebook fundraising is new, but peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, which is me as a friend asking you to support a cause that I care about is old. It has been around since the 80s. ACS did it really well. Um, and what what I think, to your point, is missing is that peer pressure and the visibility of the, the peer support that's happening there. Um, but, but who knows? Millennials and the centennials might have a totally different place that they take <laughs> us with this, right? Like it might not matter to them that peer pressure part. They just want to feel like they're doing something good and they're giving it micro scale. 
um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm super like, I'm a fan to your point of Facebook and Instagram and what they're doing. I can be critical when I come from the business side of like, I'm not getting what I need, but on the other side, I'm just like at a consumer with my popcorn, like watching it happen, trying to figure out what's going to happen next. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a lot of great options of things that they could experiment with on Instagram. So I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes and I'm definitely gonna be paying attention. I did, I did want to touch on the messenger support thing that you, you mentioned. Um, so totally. Is that a feature? I'm not, I'm not fully aware of this exists or not. Is that a feature in the Facebook API where if someone is fundraising for your page, you can send them a message through messenger? It gives you that permission option, or do you have to there, get around and find you them? You have to. You have to kind of get around that. So they're um, right now. They're they're literally iterating the functionality as it relates to this because we as brands, these you know big nonprofits, not just ACS but many others, were like, look, thank you for helping us raise all this money, but we want to thank our supporters. There's no way for us to do that. We can't even say thank you. And there isn't. There is an option. There's a little checkbox to include your email. Yes, correct. But I, I yeah. imagine most people do not check that. That's right. Because it's not checked by default. Um, so that I was I was hoping there was a connection and maybe they're going to be adding it. And I like that this... Um, they are adding it. So that's what I was going to say. So they did add this place in feed on... Um, Facebook where, but again, think about it. We're getting thousands of these, which is again, not a, like a great problem to have, but we're getting thousands of these, but we can in feed on our page now go back and say, thank you to all these folks. But the, the person who has started the fundraiser for us is not even necessarily a fan of our page. They have to accept we, us as a page to, um, to yeah. connect with them on messenger if we want to interact. So that's, that's the, the connection point that good United facilitates. They facilitate a link to the fundraiser on their fundraising feed to say, Hey, please, we'd love to, to stay in contact with you. Click this link to connect with us on messenger. And when the person can make, cl- cl- clicks the link and then gives us that first permission. So the very first permission is like, is, you know, something they have to click to say, get started or yes. Once they do, then we as a brand can talk to them. And so that facilitation of that initial outreach is the part that Good United helps with. And then um, using bot functionality responds back to the person to say, here's some resources for you. Here's you know five tips for fundraising. Here's what you need to know about our brand that will help you raise more money when you share this with your consumers. And that's customizable by the brand. So you know, Stop Soldier Suicides is going to look a lot different than Susan G. Komen's and American Cancer Societies, but it enables that process. Um, again, at scale. Yeah, I love, I love it. I mean, it's a much better solution than check this box for your email and then maybe we'll email you in a week or a month and right. we have no idea how much money you raised for us because it's not connected to the Facebook API or you know what, whatever. But yep. like the, talking again, coming back to not fighting against the native, um, the native kind of fan behavior, mm-hmm. uh, people want to talk to people in a messenger in a texting kind of format. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're tapping into that. I, I, so my personal experience with this, I, um, have raised money dozens of times for higher heroes. It's one of my charities. Oh, that great. I, I, you know, they, they do exactly what they're talking about. They work with veterans and spouses of veterans and people in the military that are looking for jobs. Um, and they help them, you know, with skills training and they have job fairs and they help people get hired um, and yep. they facilitate a great thing, just like uh, Stop Soldier Suicide. So I do a lot of Facebook fundraisers um, for, I mean, I, I usually do a couple a year and I'll do it, you know, on the 4th of July or, you know, there's a lot of yep. kind of military holidays you can just have to do mm-hmm. to your birthday. 
but a lot of the outreach I've had with them has been driven by me. So I went to their page and their messenger and reached out to them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had a similar, um, you know, the consumer version of what you're uh, yeah. describing. So I totally. think if the, if the nonprofit can have a tool that automates that and helps them kind of uh, improve the process of that, even if Facebook's trying to improve it, but hasn't really gotten there yet. Um, I think that's an, an amazing connection point for, for this fundraising process that a lot of nonprofits need to need to have a, a continuing grasp of. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's really picking up. I think that um, Good United as a software company is seen has been able to show their value with a lot of cases like ours um, and lots of nonprofits are starting to pick yeah. that up because we just want, we just want to be able to thank our people. We just want to be give them, able to give them the tools that they want. We just want them to feel valued. Um, and it definitely enables that. So it's, it's a fantastic tool. I love it. I'm glad to hear kind of the back, back ends is getting better for, for nonprofits mm -hmm. in this realm. And uh, so it's really interesting. I, I think the next level for me, this is what I want, my dream. Um, Facebook, if you're listening, or Good United, if you're listening, <laughs> is if you, I think a lot of people have a connection with a certain charity and they want to raise money for them on a regular basis. Um, and if there's a way to track that in the social networks or connected to something, you know, like maybe it's a messenger bot thing, I don't know. But hey, we noticed you did a Facebook uh, fundraiser for us last year on the 4th of July. Like we, let's join 17 other people that have already said they're going to do that with us again this year. Mm. Raised, you've raised, you know, $10,000 over the last three years for, for our organization. You're in the top 3%. We'd love for you to keep going and, you know, almost yeah. gamifying it. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's worth so good. on profits, but that's kind of my technological dream of, of something that could go a whole other level. It could. It definitely could, Jason. That's a great idea. I think it, again, what I'm, what I hear when you say that, and it makes so much sense is just bringing some of these like old school best practices of yeah. what we know work through the new era of how consumers are engaging today, because that literally is what, you know, in the nineties and the early two thousands, what the American Cancer Society did amazingly well, which is, you know, leaderboards and fundraising thermometers and peer to peer, <laughs> you know, challenges yeah. and all that stuff. Um, because it's getting them that social recognition. It goes back to social currency for the consumer and making them look good to their peers um, or tapping into something that is a competitive nature, what motivates them, whatever it may be, but it's put, it's making it inherent to the tool that they're in. So yeah, I think it's brilliant. I'll throw those over the fence to Facebook <laughs> next time I talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's this gamification. We're, we're psychological animals. Our, our brains work in weird ways and we should definitely abuse that as marketers. Totally. Causes, yeah. So. yeah. Okay. I well, um, I, I appreciate you having you on the show, Tina. Uh, before we close things out, I, is there anything that you're working on that you want to plug or where can people find you online before we close out with Speedrun? Yeah, I think just come follow us at Stop Soldier Suicide. Um, personally, I am committed to building this brand. It's something that I've, it's really sort of rejuvenated my passion in this space. And I want everybody to know what we're doing and help us build. So you can find us at Stop Soldier Suicide on all the social channels. You can find me at Tina Starkey on all the social channels. Awesome. Excellent. All right. I do want to jump into the speed round. <laughs> First question of the speed round, what's the most underrated emoji? I'm going to go with the avocado. <laughs> like my favorite food that I eat every day. And I even I don't use it as much as I should. That's pretty good. I mean, The world is better toast. with more avocados. Avocado toast is our classic Instagram meme. And I, I don't know if the emoji gets as much love. That's a good Doesn't. point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news here. Ha favorite app that most people might not know about? 
So one that I wanted to share for this was an app called Insight Timer. It's literally the best meditation app that I've found. And this is if you're a legit meditator. Um, so you can curate, like there's tons and tons of people who are hosting these meditations, importing them into the tool. People are giving ratings. It's like you can find any, um, any style or any vibe of meditation that you're looking for. And so it's these guided meditations. There's some music stuff. There's um, courses that you can find. There's talks in there. Um, but I literally use it every single night to get my day out of my brain so that I can go to sleep. Um, so I, I, I find my favorite yoga nidra on there and play it as I rest my head. I love that. My, <clears throat> my partner, Nicole Alonzo has an amazing yoga nidra uh, that she does for her yoga app. And I, I, it's the only meditation I can use really. Uh, it's, it's the only one that's ever worked for me. So <laughs> it's cool that this is a marketplace for meditation basically, right? Yep, exactly. I love it. All right. Last book you read that you would highly recommend. So I'm following Rachel Hollis these days. She's everywhere um, as an entrepreneur and this um, sort of influencer in the personal development space. And she has a book called Girl Stop Apologizing. So I just was reading that. And as a woman, uh, something that's really important to me is to like stop um, minimizing when you're, you know, at the level that you, you should be playing with everyone else and, and not minimizing yourself and not making excuses for things or making excuses for other people. So there's this there's this book called Girl Stop Apologizing that kind of walks you through. I'm definitely huge into the personal development space. I'm not really a novel reader. I'm a podcaster and a personal development book reader. So that's the one that I'm reading right now and I highly recommend. I like her um, naming style. She has Girl Wash Your Face. Yep. Girl Stop Apologizing. That's really good kind of templatizing of her content, of her books. Yep. Very memorable. She's kind of branded it that way. I like that a lot. All right, best piece of content that you've ever produced? I'm going to throw back to my absolute favorite piece I've ever done at the American Cancer Society that was completely UGC, all curated from YouTube, cancer survivors who were ringing the bell in the oncology center that it was their last chemo treatment. We pulled it all together with um, just asking for permission for people that had posted their own moment of you know, happy and sadness at the same time, you know, jubilation that they were finishing their treatment and um, really talked about like this bell rings for you. It was a tearjerker. I shared it at Social Fresh last year. Um, I've shared it a couple other times. It just gets the most, I mean, people care about people and it just brought out the best of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Making people cry is... <laughs> that always <laughs> that's a good yeah make them laugh make them cry ask them for money that's the routine that we do here at nonprofits. <laughs> make them laugh make them cry ask them for money i like it all right thank you tina thanks for hopping on the show we really appreciate your time thank you jason excited to see you um in november yes we will see tina in november at social fresh 2019 november 13th through 15th in orlando we hope you join us go to 2019.socialfresh.com Thank you for listening to this episode of The Social Toolkit brought to you by Social Fresh. Today's show was made possible by a great team of people, including Nicole Delonzo, my partner and co-producer of the show. Special thanks also to Scott Monty, the voice in our intro, and Jason Yarborough for his speed round sound effects. Social Fresh is a social media training and education company. We help you stand out from the social media crowd through events, training, and industry analysis. If you'd like more information on how you can work with us at Social Fresh, please visit socialfresh.com slash services. And we will see you again on the next episode of the Social Toolkit. 